Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton. I am one of the pastors here on staff. And as always, it is such a joy and such an honor to have the opportunity to speak with you today. I want to start our time by asking you kind of a unique, kind of a weird, but kind of a simple question. Can you think back and remember the best gift that you received as a kid at Christmas? Take a second and just think back. What was that gift that you've been hoping for all Christmas season, that you had been begging your parents for, that when you opened it up on Christmas Day, it was the best thing ever. Now, the reality is not all Christmas gifts are created equal, right? How many of you have received bad Christmas gifts over the years, right? There are just some hard ones out there. My father, one time, uh, bought a gift for me but liked it so much, he decided to keep it for himself, okay? And then what he did is he took the box that the gift came in, he wrapped that up, and he gave that to me on Christmas Day. And so I opened it up, and I was like, this is, it's an empty box. And he looked at me and said, yeah, if you really want something like that, someday I'll get it for you, okay? True story, but that's okay. He ended up, he ended up getting it for me someday. And it was a Bible, which I have 30 of, but it was fine. But the best gift, the best gift that I ever received, hands down, no question, was when my parents got me the Star Wars trilogy on VHS. Anybody else out there? I mean, check this out. Does that not just look amazing to you? A couple things just to clarify for you, for the case you're confused right now. Number one, for those of you that don't know what a VHS is, okay? VHS it stands for Video Home System, and this is how we watched movies growing up. That's how I had my home entertainment system, these rock, hard, solid brick of things that you'd put in things called VCRs, right? And you'd watch it all the way to the end, and then what did you have to do at the end? Rewind it all the way to the beginning. And we had one of those VCRs that when it rewound the videos, it literally sounded like it was going to explode every single time. But the reason why this was so good was because most of my life, my, I mean, the majority of my life, I grew up with only two of the three Star Wars movies. My parents had somehow managed to get the first one, A New Hope, and Return of the Jedi, both recorded on the same VHS tape. So I only had two of them. So for the longest time, I had no idea Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father, okay? <laughs> Took me years before I realized that. And I'm like, oh, now this all makes sense. This is great. Now, presents are a big part of the Christmas season, and I'm not here to necessarily say anything against it, because I love not only receiving presents, but I love giving gifts. They're a great part of our Christmas celebration, but obviously, and I think most of us know, there's far more to Christmas than just giving gifts. 
Now, over these last several weeks, we've been walking through an Advent series, an opportunity for us as a church to get prepared, to get excited for the birth of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we've been talking about, how, about how Christmas season is a wonderful reminder that all of these things that we're looking for, all these things that we desire, all these things that we are hoping for in this life, all these things that really, truly bless our life, like hope, like peace, like joy, they are here today ready for us. We can experience and celebrate and enjoy these truths because they have come in the person and the presence of Jesus Christ. We do not have to wait. Now, as we continue to walk through the Christmas story today, hopefully we'll now also take an opportunity just to really look at and celebrate now the advent of love. Uh, now, before we dive in too deep, I want to ask another question. How does our world define love? How does our culture, how does our society really truly understand this idea of love? And so as I was trying to think through this, as I was trying to answer this question in my, my, my own head, the, the first thing that came to my mind were all the song titles, right, that have love in them, right? There's countless songs out there that all have been trying to describe love to this world. And so I just listed off a couple of them, and I'm just going to read them to see if you guys can fill in the gaps, see if you can fill in the blanks here. Uh, and if I start singing... Just, just to warn you, okay? Just go with me, okay? Just sing along with me. It's church. It's okay to sing. It's not going to be that bad. The first one is the, the one that you're probably thinking of, right? When we think of love, we probably always think of the first song by the Beatles. All you need is? Love. You guys are good. That's awesome. Well done. 11 o'clock crowd is awake. I love it, all right? Now, this one uh, was a little confusing to me, but apparently this is not only a song, but also a movie. Uh, I don't know if anybody's heard of this one. Love is a many splendored thing. Anyone? Okay, we got some headlines. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds really important. Okay, so let's just go with that. My next one's one of my favorites. What the world needs now. Take it. So good. Don't forget the next part. Give yourselves an applause on that. 11 a.m., listen up. The 9 a.m. totally butchered that, okay? You guys were, they were like, ah, we don't know what to sing. You guys were so good at that. Well done. Next one, a, a great song just to sing as you're going through the day. What's love got to do? Nice, guys. You are on fire today. I love this. And then, of course, the great sage, the soothsayer, the wise man of our age from the 1980s, the one and only meatloaf. <laughs> I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. What that is, I have no idea, but he's not going to do it. Now, when you really look at the world and when you really step back and kind of observe it, the, the conclusion that it really is made is that the world is confused on love because love is kind of a challenging thing, or at least for the world to understand apart from Jesus. And so sadly, the definition of love in our world has become really reduced, if I can say even perverted in such a way that doesn't quite hit at the true essence of love. Most of this world sees love as just a feeling. And not only that, they see it as a feeling that is temporary, that is perishable, that will only be for a time. It is fleeting. Basically what it says, love is great, but it won't last. 
The world also sees love as more of something that has to do with you, right? Like, I feel love when I'm happy, when I, my, my needs are being met, when everything is going well for me, that's when I feel love. But if I don't feel that, if I'm not feeling okay, then it's not really love to begin with. Now, let me ask you this, maybe a harder question. How do you define love? How have you personally defined love? And hopefully as we walk through the Christmas story today, we will be given some encouragement through the word of God to help us give a little bit more depth, a little bit more foundation as we celebrate the advent of love today. Now, many of you might be thinking I'm going to talk about Mary because most people associate Mary with love, and that's, that's totally an accurate statement. But today, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Instead, we're going to look at the story of the Magi. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the first 12 verses of this chapter, and we're going to walk through the Magi story and see how that plays a part in Christmas. Now, what role do the Magi play in your understanding of the Christmas story, right? How have you kind of come to understand them as the characters in this part? Are they kings? Are they magicians? Are they astrologers? I mean, all my life, all my life, I sang one of my favorite Christmas carols, right? We three. And then someone came up to me in college and said, oh, actually, Aaron, they're not kings at all. And I'm like... What are you talking about? The song says they're kings, okay? And it's a Christmas song. Christmas songs don't lie, right? But they remain kind of a mysterious character. We don't know much of them outside of what we see in the scripture. And what the scripture says is they came from an eastern part of the world, eastern part of the land. They had some kind of like foreign dignitary type aspect to their role. They recognized that something special was happening. They recognized that something unique was taking place. And so they traveled a very long way to come and acknowledge this king that was to be born. And we don't quite know, did they understand the entire Old Testament? Did they have an understanding of the Jewish and Yahweh and all this kind of work? Like, did they have any context? All we know is Something drew them towards this moment. Something invited them in to this story. And I think that we can learn a lot of cool things from them. So again, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 2, starting at verse 1, we're going to let the word of God speak to us today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's the Messiah was to be born? They replied, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Remember back from a couple weeks, right? We talked about the advent of hope. And Pastor Gareth reminded us that we believe in a God that not only sees us, but he is with us, he dwells with us, and he gives us courage. This was the promise. This was the prophecy that was going to be made, that was going to change the world, that was going to literally bring the greatest blessing, the greatest gift. And yet Herod and his people were freaking out. The scripture says that they were disturbed by this revelation that there was to be another king. Back to verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search, uh, search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now again, just real quick for context, King Herod, right, was the established monarchy, the established king, the ruler of the Jewish people in Judea during this time. He had a lot of affiliation, a lot of connection with Rome. And for those who don't know, Rome was really in charge, but they allowed the Jewish people to kind of have their own society. And so Herod was the one in charge or the king established for the Jewish people. Uh, He wasn't the best of characters. He had some paranoia to him and he had some pretty um, disgusting plans in his head of what he wanted to do because as soon as he heard about Jesus, As soon as he heard about this other king, he was going to figure out a plot how to kill Jesus. He saw this baby as a direct threat to his power, his authority, and his rule as king. And so he says to the Magi, hey, go and find out where this baby is. And and can you tell me where this baby is so that I may go worship? But he had no intention of doing that whatsoever. Back to verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is why I love the Christmas story so much. This is why I love every year that we read it and we get to engage with it because of the beautiful truth and encouragement, some amazing moments that happen that we get to experience today. After the Magi find Jesus, they find Mary, what do they do? The scripture says they respond in worship. Now again, we have no idea their understanding. Did they really know what they were you know, doing in that moment? Did they really understand who they were worshiping? All we know was that they were overjoyed when they saw the star. When they saw Jesus, they began to worship him. And then the next thing that happens, this overflow of worship literally consumes them where they begin to present treasures and gifts to baby Jesus, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, which again plays a pretty big role in just Mary and Joseph caring for Jesus years down the road. They weren't just gifts for that moment. They really did play an important role in just caring for the family as they continue to travel and as they fled from Herod. We see the natural outcome of what happens when we find ourselves in the presence of the living God. Instead of living a life that's hoarding, right? That's all about selfishness. That's all about me. We begin to see something powerful, sacrificial generosity come alive. Now, none of this really makes sense for us today, sadly, because we live in a world that has been reminded. We've always known this, but we've been reminded of how fragile, how vulnerable we are, right? We have something one day and it can be taken from us in a second, We have no idea what the next going to happen, what what the future holds. And so it's made us kind of fearful. It's made us kind of freaked out like this. And there's this scarcity mentality that's taking place when we recognize how vulnerable, how quick things can change. And when that takes place, what do we do? We go like this. Everything that we have, everything that we consider value, we consider important, and we don't want anybody to take it from us. This kind of living is, is hard, but it makes sense because, again, we're scared. What are we going to do if, if we don't have this? Do you know that I went to Starbucks the other day? 
my favorite Starbucks on Sunnyside Road and I walked into my favorite Starbucks and I saw my favorite barista and I couldn't wait to order my favorite drink, a tall ice white chocolate mocha. And I went up to that barista and I said, hey, can I have a tall ice white chocolate mocha? And do you know what she said to me? She said, I'm sorry, there is no white mocha today. Just let that settle in. I know you're in shock. It's okay. Just let that settle in. And I said, I'm sorry, um, what? <laughs> what do you mean? There's just no white mocha? Is this gone? Is this vanished? What is this? Evaporated? And they're like, yeah, sorry, there's, we don't have any white mocha in the store. I'm like, in none of the stores in Starbucks? And they're like, yeah, the entire, all of white mocha in the entire Pacific Northwest is gone. Now, I'm not a big person saying that the end of times is here, but... <laughs> I mean, I was pretty darn close. I stood in line at Starbucks for five minutes going, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so after a couple days of, of mourning and uh, crying out to God and wearing sackcloth, I finally mustered up the courage, and I went back into that Starbucks, and I said, I said, do you guys, do you guys have white mocha yet? And the barista looked at me, and she said, yes, we do, sir. And I said, Amen. <laughs> So I took that white mocha, they gave it to me, and I just went to my chair, and I was like, get away from me, don't, you don't touch this, and I just savored every last drop of that white mocha, and they all thought I had gone crazy. <laughs> but this is what happens, and this is what we see in Herod, right? We see that reaction. As soon as something threatens his well-being, as soon as something threatens what he had, he freaks out. And he's ready to destroy it. He's ready to change it. He's ready to take control. He holds on hard. And I think that we sadly do the same. We live in this very vulnerable, very fragile world. And the way we respond sometimes is this. Rather than looking for an opportunity to live a life that is generous. And so please hear me when I say this. This is the heart that I have for myself. I would never say anything to you that I don't say to myself every single day. And this is the same prayer that I have for my girls, for my family, but obviously for my church. And it's this. Allow the presence of Jesus Christ to empower you to experience a life of genuine and unabashed love. This is the hope that we want to see here. This is the desire. This is the prayer that we would not be people that hold on too tightly to all these things we have, but instead, as we continue to enter into God's presence, that he will open up opportunities for us, not only to experience the love that he has for us, but then for us to turn that love around and share it with the world that so desperately needs to see it and hear it. Many of you participated in our adoptive family ministry. And here's a picture, if you did not see, all of the gifts that this church purchased for our community. And again, I'm not showing you this picture to make ourselves feel good, right? To, to pat ourselves on the back or to check off that Christian charity that we did. This is an example of what I think that God wants us to do as we as a church continue to enter into the presence of God, as we continually spend time in worship, crying out to God, claiming his truth, as we spend time in prayer, in reading of his word, in fellowship with one another, what's gonna happen is we're gonna be drawn into the presence of God. He's going to surround us. He's going to empower us. He's going to anoint us. And when we are in the presence of God, we get to experience the best that this life has to offer. His hope, his peace, his joy, and his unfailing love. If you are alive, give me an amen on that. 
This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why this is such a wonderful time of the year because we get to be reminded that the love that God has for us is here now, ready for us to experience today. Now, let me give you a couple things as you think through this, as you wrestle through this. I'm going to invite you to lean in a little bit as we look at some ideas of what this love is all about. Because again, I said, the world, it's made love confusing. Our culture has made love confusing. So let the word of God speak to us today as we try to give some definition as we try to claim love for ourselves. And so my first challenge you today is this as we look at the advent of love. And it's this. And this is probably the hardest one. Love will cost you. Love is one of the most greatest, one of the most amazing things that we can experience as a humanity, as people. And yet, it's one of the hardest, most difficult things that we can do because loving people is hard, right? I mean, I'm sure you have people in your life that are hard to love. Don't look at them yet, okay? Don't look at them right now. But I'm sure that there are people in your life that it's hard coming alongside people, encouraging, sacrificing what you have so that you can help somebody else is not easy. There's nothing easy about that. That's the definition of sacrifice. Understand that the Magi's journey to Jesus was not an easy one. It cost them a lot. A lot of us assume when we think of the Magi, right, we think of just what we see in movies or in TV shows when it talks about Christmas, right? That Mary and Joseph, they're there, and then they have baby Jesus, and then two minutes later, the shepherds show up, and they have a great time, and then two minutes after that, the Magi show up, and then they're all there together, and there's your Christmas nativity scene, and it's, yay, there you go, Merry Christmas, right? Well, if you actually look at the scripture, and if you actually look at what it says, it actually shows that it was a kind of a journey for the Magi to finally find Jesus. A lot of biblical scholars say that they don't think the Magi found them until Jesus was maybe a year and a half or two years old by the time they actually got there. And so these Magi, again, no idea what they knew and didn't know. No idea if they were believing in God or Yahweh. All we know is that they set off to find Jesus, and it took them a long time. They sacrificed just so they could be in his presence. That is incredible. To authentically love someone takes time, takes patience, takes sometimes just being present. Many of you guys know before I come into Abundant Life, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And uh, 10 of the best years of my life because I absolutely loved walking alongside senior high and junior high students, encouraging them, supporting them, uh, just pointing them towards Jesus and letting them know how much not only God loved them, but that I loved them. But for those of you out there who have teenage kids, you can also maybe affirm in the fact that it might be a little bit challenging at times, right? Like it's, it might be difficult, you know, to raise kids, let alone teenage kids. No? Anybody out there? Okay, just agree with me, it's fine. I once got a phone call at 3 in the morning from one of my students. And the first thing that comes to your mind when you see a phone call at 3 a.m. is, oh man, something bad's happening. There's a tragedy. They're in need. What, what am I going to do? And so I, I get up, I see the phone, I pick up and I go, hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And you know what I hear back? Click. I'm like, did he just hang up on me? <laughs> What's going on? So I called him back, you know, just right there. And, I'm, and it went straight to voicemail. And I'm like, okay. Okay, I just hope he's safe. I hope he's okay. I don't know what's going on, but fine. So I'll, next day at church, I go up to him and see him. And I'm like, um, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, what? And I'm like, did you call me at three in the morning? 
And he said, yeah. And I'm like, why? Why are you calling me at three in the morning? And you know what he said to me? He said, oh, I was up. And so I just wanted to see if you were up. And I told him, I said, hey, let me just answer this question for now and forever. I am never up at three in the morning, okay? <laughs> Ever, okay? I, I'm, I'm glad if I get to bed at nine o'clock, okay? That's a good day. And then I said, that's fine, whatever, okay. You call me, you're up, three in the morning, that's fine, whatever. And then I asked him this, I said, okay, then why? Why, oh why, did you hang up when I picked up your phone call? And he, this is what he said back to me, okay? And this is, this is verbatim, okay? He said, oh, well, it sounded like you were asleep. <laughs> so uh, I didn't want to bug you. And in that moment, I said, Lord, give me strength. And I said to him, you know, I just want you to know something, buddy, that, um, that Jesus loves you a lot. I want you to know Jesus loves you a lot. I don't like you very much right now, but Jesus loves you a lot, Okay? Now, here's the cool thing. Let me show you a, a picture. This was taken a couple of months ago at a wedding that I uh, did uh, for one of my old youth students, and a bunch of the other youth students were there. Uh, a commitment that I made to the youth students when they were in the seventh grade, when I first met them, and it's the same commitment that I make to them today, is that I'll always be there for them. If they ever need me, doesn't matter if it's three in the morning or any time, they can call me, they can send me a text. I might not always be able to respond as quick as I used to. I might not always have the time. It might take some scheduling, figuring it out but I'll always be there for them because I love them and I will do all that I can to support them, encourage them, and continually point them towards Jesus. And the cool thing is not all the students have, but some students throughout the years, even after they've graduated, been married, have kids moved on, they'll still send me a text every so often to say, Aaron, I just really need prayer right now. And I say, absolutely. I'd love to pray with you. How can I help? What can I do? Is there anything I can do just to support you? Now, does that take time? Yes. Does that take sacrifice? Yes. Is it hard and challenging and difficult? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Every opportunity that I have to point them towards Jesus is a gift because I think that loving people is a gift. Bob Goff says it this way, the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence. So let me ask you this. Who is God calling you to be present with today? Is there somebody in your life, family member, a neighbor, a coworker, maybe a stranger you don't quite know very well yet, but God is opening doors. God is presenting them in front of you and saying, I want you just to be with them. I want you to be patient with them. Maybe I want you to sacrifice so that they can experience the love that I have for them today. Love will cost you. But man, is it worth it? Second thing that I want to challenge you or encourage you on today, and this is really more of a truth that is one of those things that just changes everything. It just changed the world. And this is a simple statement, but man, is this powerful. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 10 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then 1 John 4.19 says it this, we love because he first loved us. This is the gospel message. This is truth in the most pure, most beautiful way. God made himself known in the most perfect way through his son, Jesus Christ. And through his sacrifice on the cross, we were redeemed. We were atoned for all of the mistakes, all the the hurt, all the pain, all the sin that we have been made. And God claimed us as his own. And then the invitation, the promise, is that as we spend more time with God, as we spend more time seeking after this relationship with the living God, with Jesus Christ, what he begins to do is change and transform us. Begins to change the way we think, change the way we look at things, change the way we act and feel so that we can begin to look more like his son, more like Jesus, so that we can respond to the people of this world. We can respond to relationships that are hard just like Jesus would. See, the love that we experience through Jesus, literally then we can turn around and show that same love to those around us. The, the, the author Sarah Bessie says it this way. You cannot be full to the brim with Christ's love and peace without spilling over into the lives of others. You learn how to love by being loved. And so let me ask you this today. Have you experienced the genuine love of God today? And I really just want to take a second here, and I don't want to make this more dramatic than I need to be, but because I love this church so much, and whether you recognize it or not, I love you. And I want you, if anybody in this room needs to be reminded of this, that God loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter the mistakes you've made, doesn't matter how hard or difficult the road might be, please hear me when I say, God loves you. And he wants you to experience the, 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 the atonement, the redemption that came through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He wants you to be enveloped, to be surrounded by that love so that not only will you feel maybe for the first time that you're not alone, that you're not a victim to your fears and your anxiety and the terror and the darkness of this world, but there is a God that's going to literally walk with you every step of the way. He wants you then then to take that love that he wants to give to you freely through his grace and then turn it around and share it with the people in your life that have yet to hear this message, that have yet to feel that love. Who needs to experience God's love today and who in your life needs to experience it? And the last thing that I would invite you to consider, um, and this is maybe, maybe an easier one for all of us, no matter where you are on the faith spectrum, is God invites us to rest in his love. I'm going to read for you a psalm um, that I would encourage you, if you are into memorizing scripture, maybe this is the one you memorize this week. A lot of us think that memorizing scripture is just something that, that people do in kids' church, right? But really, we all should be doing it every single day because the word of God is a gift that God has given us literally to rewrite our brains, to rewrite our heart, to protect us and to empower us in a powerful way. So I give you this psalm for all of us to claim today because this is such a beautiful promise and truth. And this is what it says in Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Who needs just to rest in God's love today. 
You don't need to earn anything. You don't need to prove anything. You don't need to work harder at it. You just need to accept and embrace and rest in the unfailing love that God has for you, for you, for you today. And allow that assurance, that truth to be developed in a joy that will literally continue to the very last breath that you take. Now, most of us, again, we, we reduce the story of the Magi just to giving presents. And sadly, a lot of us can do that with Christmas, right? For a lot of us, it's just giving presents. But as we all know, there's far more to Christmas than just giving gifts. But instead, I pray, I hope, I plead with you today to claim this truth. Allow the presence of Jesus Christ to empower you to experience a life of genuine and unabashed love for yourself and for the others around you. I want to close. We're going to sing one more worship song together. And I would invite you after I'm done praying to stand up and together as one church, as one family, we're going to sing this song together and we're going to let this be our anthem. We're going to let this be the cry of our heart. And I'm going to read you these lyrics because man, are they good. This is what it says. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again because you, your sun to shine on darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. I'm going to ask again, and again, not to be dramatic, not to be crazy, but just to invite you. If you have yet to experience the love of Jesus today, if you've yet to allow Jesus to come into your heart, let this be the moment. Let this be the day as we celebrate the advent of love, as we claim the truth and the power of his son, Jesus Christ, I would invite you. I would invite you to lean in and experience the unfailing love that God has for you so that you may sing with joy all the days of your life. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for this day, for this church, for this time of worship, Lord, I thank you so much that you showed so much of your love for all of us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we may be forgiven for our sins. Lord, that that grace that you showed so beautifully, Lord, literally can change and transform us. It can take the darkest of things, the hardest of things, the biggest mistakes in our life, Lord, and you can transform them. You can renew. You can give us hope and peace and joy, Lord, because that's the kind of God you are. So, Lord, as we end our time in a spirit of worship, I pray for everybody in this room, Lord, that you would sing, that they would sing to you, that you would speak words of truth to them, that you would rally your Holy Spirit around them right now. Lord, fill this place with your presence. Fill, Lord, this place with who you are. And Lord, as we draw into that presence, as we celebrate the gift of you and your son, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that we may experience your love today. 
And Lord, let that love empower us and anoint us to take that love into this world, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, and share that love with a world so desperately that needs it. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Lord, let us sing this song in worship and in praise for you today. In your name, we pray. Amen.